And welcome to another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you again today. And I just want to let people know that today's podcast will be a little bit different. As many of you know that have been listening uh, throughout uh, these past several months, my main objective here on the Speaking For Him podcast is to encourage my fellow believers as they walk this journey that we call the Christian life. And I really enjoy doing that, really enjoy encouraging others and getting encouraged along the way. Uh, But a friend of mine uh, pointed out to me that there may be some that are not believers who are listening and that it's important uh, for us to spend some time reaching out to them and talking to them as well and not just assuming that everybody in my audience is a believer. Now, I have shared the gospel in past podcasts. I feel that that's a very necessary thing. But I want to take a a little bit of time to answer some questions that people have often about the Christian faith or about faith in general. And I want to start out with this question. It doesn't matter what you believe— as long as you are sincere. Let me just think about this in the practical sphere, okay? First of all, if I'm sitting in a studio and there is a, a countertop in front of me and there is also a window in front of me that's looking out into the grass outside and If I believe, let's just say, if I believe strong enough that this countertop isn't here and that that window isn't here, then I should be able to just drive right through this room and out into that grass outside with no obstacle in my way. Because I'm sincere about it. I sincerely believe that there is no countertop. Is that going to change the fact that the countertop exists? Is it, Adam? <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, that's that's the thing about there being one truth is you can uh, many times think what you want to think or, or, or try and make what you want to make, but the reality is there is a truth, and that truth would be the countertop is still there whether you'd want to look at it or not because it exists. It's right in front of you. Or to put it another way, if I want to believe that my favorite TV show is on at 9 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock, So I set my DVR for 9 o'clock, believing that that show will then be on my DVR later when I check. And then I find out that it's not on when I check the DVR. I shouldn't be surprised because it's an absolute schedule. The shows are on at an absolute time. So I can't turn on the TV at one time uh, and expect a show that's on at another time to be on. Because it doesn't matter how sincere I am about believing that that show is on the air, I still have to watch it when it's on, or I have to program my DVR accordingly. And it's kind of that same way with faith. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John three thirty six. 
And so I would encourage you to seek the Lord. You know, a growing number of people, Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell and even Ray Comfort uh, come to mind as people who were atheists, who did not believe in God, who tried to believe in everything but God, and even tried in some respects to prove the Bible wrong, only to find as they studied it that the Bible was true and trustworthy. So I don't think you can infer, if you're really a thinking person, that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. I can't believe snow into the air when it's summer, and I can't believe snow melting when it's winter, as much as I would like to have that power. Right. The seasons are consistent. They're faithful because the God that created them is faithful. Do you have any additional comments, Adam? No, I, I think that's great. I think you really summed it up right there, talking about how you know a lot of times we maybe try and make our, our own reality sometimes, but the reality is is that there is only just one truth in what is actually going on at that moment. You know, Like you said, we may want the snow to melt, but the reality is it's out there. It's there. It's right in front of us. Just a matter if you choose to look at it or not. All right. Well, Adam, would you like to read the next question on our list here? Yes. And this is a question I think that even uh, skeptics, Christian, I think everybody has asked before, and there's good truth behind this. Why? And it says, why is there evil and suffering? This is a very personal question to me uh, because I definitely can relate to the suffering. Mm -hmm. um, for those who don't know yet, I was born three months prematurely, and as a result, I am confined to an electric wheelchair, which I have used pretty much all my life. I got my first wheelchair when I was five, and no, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily a competent driver. Just, just ask the people that have watched me and are grateful that I don't drive a car. But moving <laughs> along, I have faced my share of suffering, um, and I also uh, lost a baby brother when I was 13. And it wasn't because my parents were uh, rebellious. My parents are some of the strongest Christian people I know. Uh, they raised me to love and serve God. And so it wasn't because of that. But here is what um, the Bible says about, uh, about evil and suffering. Uh, you have to start at the beginning and how uh, mankind responded when they sinned against God's order not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's what it says in Genesis. It says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Unto Adam and also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Genesis 3, 7 and 21. The first point I want to make is that man had their own solution or what to do once they realized they were naked. And they realized they were naked because they sinned. And so their eyes were open so they could tell good and evil. And that, at that point, nakedness became an issue because they were able to tell. Uh, it, before The chapter before that ends with, and the man and the woman were naked and not ashamed because sin had not entered into the world. That's why, why it ended that way. But sin brought this to the forefront and... So we see their solution is to sew fig leaves together. I don't know if you've ever tried to wear clothes made of fig leaves, uh, but even if you haven't, you can probably picture that they're not 
going to offer very good coverage. <laughs> so as he so often does from this point forward, God has to provide a more adequate solution. And so he uh, puts fur coats on Adam and Eve. And you know where fur comes from, don't you, Adam? Oh, right, from, from animals, yeah. And in order for these animals to provide the fur, God had to kill them. And so this is how death came into the world. Because of sin, because of Adam and Eve's sin, death came into the world and with it all human suffering. I'm not going to begin to uh, make you understand all of the proponents of suffering but I do know that the ultimate reality of suffering is because mankind sinned and evil has been running rampant in the world ever since. And this is what the New Testament says about that. It says, For we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Romans eight twenty two and 23. All right. So the whole earth is under a curse because of what sin did. Um, there wasn't really an ice age, wasn't really snow until after the flood. And the flood was another one of those results from sin. And so we see that, that uh, God did not prescribe evil and suffering, God allowed evil and suffering because of what mankind decided to do in their ignorance. And I and I think we sometimes get it backwards because we say, look what God did. Right. But what he's really say, what he really is trying to do, he's trying to say, you know, you guys messed it up, but I still love you and I still want to be there for you. And that's how he was with the flood. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so the human race was preserved through Noah and his sons and their wives. But even Noah screwed up after the flood, so we realized that the the ultimate solution to the redemption of man was not complete. And, of course, it was not complete until Jesus was sent in the fullness of time to live a perfect life, to pay for our sins on the cross. And so I think we really just, we have it twisted. Um, the real question uh, should be, why isn't there more evil and suffering? Uh, because the heart of man is desperately wicked, and the the newspaper headlines really bear that out, you know? And, and we could go into more detail, and, and perhaps we will, but I just want you to begin to think about how you can, can uh, make changes in the world, uh, you know, there's a quote from someone. I don't really want to name the person who the quote is um, because I don't really agree totally with his ideology, but I kind of like this quote, and it is, be the change that you want to see in the world. And obviously we can't be that on our own, but with Christ, we can be the change that we want to see in the world. And that's what I want to encourage you to pursue. Another question that people have is, uh, why don't you go into that one, Adam? It says here, what about those who never hear of Jesus? 
I have been in prison ministry for the last almost 12 years. And it seems like every few months I have people ask, what about the people that haven't heard of Jesus? Because you come in here and you tell me Jesus is the only way. What about the people that have never heard of him? Well, I don't know the ultimate answer to that question, but I do know that if you hear about Jesus, you are responsible for what you do with him. Don't allow yourself to be doomed to an eternity in hell because you have chosen not to do with Jesus what you need to, and that is to decide whether he was a liar, a lunatic, or who he said he was. See, because Jesus said that before Abraham was, I am. And by saying that, he was saying, I am God. So for those who say that he was a good person, but fail to see him as God, uh, they're kind of messed up in their thinking because a good person doesn't lie. That's right. And so in order for Jesus to be a good person, he had to tell the truth. And if he was telling the truth when he said he was God, then he is God, and you need to take him as God, and you need to claim that personally so that you can have redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's also the case that God does do work in the lives of those who are truly seeking. I want to share um, just a really quick story from the book of Acts. Chapter 10, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges there with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what you ought to do. Okay, so this is a situation where Cornelius wants to know the whole truth. He's praying to God, and you would think, well, maybe that's good enough. So God will leave him where he is, but he doesn't. Because Cornelius is faithful to God, God shows up and tells Cornelius what he needs to do to make his life right before God. So don't think, don't limit God's power. I've heard many uh, stories of uh, former Muslims who had Jesus appear to them in their country, much like he appeared to, to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus and changed his name to Paul. I have no reason... Uh, to believe that those stories aren't true because God is powerful and he can do whatever he wants to. Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search with me, search for me with all your heart. So the real question is, are you searching for him with all your heart? You got to take that first step first. Yes, absolutely. Adam, do you have any more to add? I think think that's the big thing is uh, sometimes it's so easy to say, you know, God, you're not there, or where are you, or, or how can I believe in you if, if I don't hear you or, or, or see you, but are we seeking him? You know, it's kind of like playing a game of hide-and-go-seek and waiting in the middle of the room counting to 20 and then waiting for everyone to come to you. You have to go out and find where each person is when you're playing hide-and-seek, right? So with the Lord, it's the same way. And I got to tell you, when you ask, 
It even says, when you ask, you shall receive. He will. He will show up. You just have to make sure you have your eyes open and that you're truly searching. And I think part of the problem, and I know I do this too, is we is we limit ourselves to what we're looking for. Right. And oh, we're only yes. looking for certain things. And so sometimes when things are right in front of us, we don't see them because it's not what we were looking for. So we need to continue to stay open and realize that God's ways of revealing himself to us might not be the ways that we expect. Very true. Here's a good one. What about all the contradictions in the Bible? Um, 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now this is another question that could easily spawn a whole podcast. And maybe in the future it will. We'll have to see what the Lord uh, leads us to do. But I think the biggest thing when answering this question is to think about this. Let's take the Gospels for an example. The Gospels are four accounts in the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that are all the story of Jesus told from four different authors' perspectives. Uh, they don't all talk about the same stories. Many stories are repeated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes elements of stories that aren't in one gospel will be in another. For instance, one gospel says two disciples went to prepare the Last Supper. Another gospel says that those two disciples were Peter and John. Um, one gospel talks about two men in shining garments at the tomb. Another gospel talks about a single angel. That does not necessarily mean that they are in contradiction, only that that is what the author or the sources of the author recall from those events. So when you put all four of the Gospels together, they may be different, but they don't overtly or outrightly contradict one another. They're just different perspectives. It's like if you and I are in separate cars and we drive past and we see a car wreck and then we talk about it amongst ourselves, we're each going to have a different perspective because we were in different cars. And even if we were in the same car, we'd probably still have different perspectives because most likely you would be in the driver's seat or the passenger seat in front. Right. I'd be sitting in the middle of my van where I typically sit. So we would have differences in perspective. And a lot of times that's what we see in the Bible. We also see that Certain letters, while they have application to us, were written to specific people addressing specific needs, and uh, we need to understand them in their context. And while we can broadly apply them, we need to be careful not to take them out of their context. Um, We need to study everything within the greater, broader context of the entire Bible. And I know we could go a little bit more in depth on that, and again, we may, but that is just a, a general summation of that particular question. And I do encourage feedback. If people have additional questions uh, about the things we're discussing today, they can reach me at Andrew at speakingforhim.com. That's Andrew at speaking the number for him.com. Or they can post a question or comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash speaking the number for him. So that is an option. We have a couple more questions here. Um, Adam, would you like to read the next one? Absolutely. 
It says, how can Jesus be the only way to God? Okay. How can Jesus be the only way to God? Um, I was thinking about this and how to put it in practical terms. Let's say that you have a recipe in a recipe book. And this is a poor analogy in some ways because there are different recipes for different things. But when you have a cake recipe, you have the flour and the sugar and the salt. They all play a particular role. But say you left the sugar out of the cake recipe. It's not going to taste very good mm-hmm. because, because the sweetener is gone. You need all the ingredients put together to make the cake that you want. Now, it may taste like something and it may seem good, but it's not going to be the ultimate recipe. And I think that you can kind of look at the way to God as the same thing. You know, there's a lot of things that uh, we we talk about, about, you know, how to find out more about God or higher powers or whatever. But a lot of those things have to do with us reaching out for God. You know, we're, we're looking for God. We're seeking God. A lot of people claim that. But the reality is that we do not have the power to find God on our own. So he has to reach down in his infinite wisdom and and find us and pull us up. And when we are, uh, when you're going to, let's say, Texas, you have to drive south in order to get to Texas. I can't drive north. To get to Texas. I mean, ultimately, I guess I could because the world is round and eventually I'll end up where I started. Right. But if I want to get to Texas rather than Canada, I go south instead of north. And so just as we have to follow a map to get where we're going when we go on trips, we have to follow the map that is outlined for us in the scriptures um, to get to God. And there's nothing that we can do that would be good enough because if for one instance we decided that works got us to heaven, how would I know when I hit the magic number? Is it 300? Is it 365? So it's one good work a day. Is it, um, you know, 700 and whatever for two good works a day. We, we would never know, but God has, outline a very specific plan on how to know that you get to heaven. That's another thing. A lot of people say that it's impossible for you to know, but the whole purpose of the Bible and particularly for the gospels is so that you know that Jesus is the son of God and that he is the way to get to heaven. And Jesus himself said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, a lot of you will say, well, why would God send uh, people to hell if he's a God of love? And I used to say, well, because he has no choice but to send them there because they're sinners. And without believing on him, they can't get there. And that is true to an extent. But, you know, I started to think about it and I started to realize that God doesn't send anyone to hell. He's given the way to heaven. 
And we have to choose to take it. And if we don't choose to take it, then we are choosing to go the other way. Mm-hmm. So we're choosing hell over heaven if we reject God. Um, the last um, question I have to say is I can never take the leap of faith that believing in Christ requires. Statement that people make often. Let me ask you something. There's a common belief in the origins of the earth called evolution. Some people call it the Big Bang Theory. They say, you know, all of a sudden, millions of years ago, there was a bang, and over the preceding millions of years, uh, we, we came out of some kind of animal form, which used to be primordial ooze, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we're here on planet Earth doing our thing with no real purpose. I want to ask you a very simple question. Adam, how many explosions have you seen that have resulted in exact order? Uh, to count to date, none. None. If if we had a, if there was an explosion in the Jake in the studios here today, not only would Adam and I be in a different location, <laughs> uh, which we are assured of, the big podcast in the sky. But we would also um, see the, the computers that are on the desk and the, and the wires and the microphones. Everything would be a one big pile of, of mess. And depending on the degree of, of explosion, it would either be ash or it would be just twisted piles of metal. And hopefully they would fish us out and give us a proper burial. But the point is... <laughs> that there would not be any order that we see here. You know, nothing would be in the place where it was. Um, If you are making a cake, to kind of go back to that analogy, if you put all the ingredients in a bowl and then put a stick of dynamite underneath the bowl, you're not going to find a pie or a cake at the end of that explosion. You're going to find a bunch of baked goods all over your kitchen if you have a kitchen left. And you're going to have to clean them up. So why people have decided or kind of decided in their minds that the world came from a Big Bang when the only explosions we know of, such as what happened in the World Trade Center or what happened with the Boston Marathon a few weeks ago or any number of explosions we can think of in history, all of them caused chaos and multiple injuries and all kinds of death and desolation. So the idea that a Big Bang could cause uh, order enough to create this complex world, I just don't see it. And so I think you're actually taking a bigger leap of faith to believe that than you are to believe that God himself created this world and created you with a purpose. So when you talk about leaps of faith, you might be able to leap a little less once you come to believe God in faith, because he always delivers when you trust him. That's right. And then a second element of that is just the the fact of the matter is that um, we think about all the things that have been created, like cars or this studio or, um, you know, what the biggest building you can think of, like in Chicago, the Sears Tower, or whatever else, and there's always a creator behind it. 
or that big monument in South Dakota called Crazy Horse that they've been working on for 80 or 90 years. Yeah. And it's still not done. But there's an ultimate creator behind it. There's a mastermind. It just doesn't spring up by itself. And we usually don't have any problem acknowledging them. But somehow, with this world and all of its complexity, which, by the way, is way more complex than anything we could build, we have decided that God had no part in it. And I think part of the reason is because um, we have just decided that we don't want to submit to God, so if we reason him away, we don't have to. I just want to leave you with this verse talking about Jesus and his resurrection. It says, And then he was seen of Cephas, who is Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain in, until his present, but some are fallen asleep. First Corinthians fifteen five and 6. And of course that was written when many of Christ's followers were still alive. But the point is he was seen by 500 people. Uh, he, he is alive and he wants a personal relationship with you. I hope that you will think about these questions and that you will give serious contemplation to your eternity. It's my prayer that you will trust Christ and find him faithful as I have. And I adapted um, these questions from a blog post, which is actually adapted from an article called Seven Questions Skeptics Ask, which was published in Moody Magazine in 2002. I will have a link to that article on the Facebook page and possibly on my blog, so be looking out for that. And um, now I will end by saying have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters.